Welcome to The Golden Shadow, the podcast about psychology, philosophy, myth, mysticism, and mystery. My name is Alyssa Polizzi. And I'm Aaron Rogerson. And today we're discussing the psychological attitudes of extroversion and introversion through the model of Jungian typology. Now, although these terms have been absorbed into the general lexicon, their meaning is frequently misunderstood and often mischaracterized. We claim, oh, he likes to spend a lot of time alone. He's an introvert. And then feel surprised that the same individual who gets up on stage and performs a show and talks to the crowd of fans afterwards. How can we better understand our relationship to these psychological modes of being and refine our definitions of them? Yeah, I think that extroversion and introversion are terms that we're very familiar with nowadays, mm-hmm. even though they have a deep history yeah. and there's a deep background. They're very technical terms. Mm-hmm. And they're describing something that is incredibly complex, which is our minds, yeah. our personalities, our behavior. And as always, we tend to think about things as simplistically as possible yeah. and think about things in black and white. Very we, black and white. We're also prone to wanting to adopt certain characteristics, characteristics excuse me, as identities, mm. by which I mean... We really like the idea of saying, I'm an introvert. Right. Or he's an extrovert. Yeah. And we find that to be kind of nice. It's like, it's, it's nice to have like a label we can slap yeah. on people. But the truth about these terms is that they're complex and yes. everyone's a little bit introverted and extroverted and it fluctuates yeah. based on the situation and based on your mood. Um, you might grow to become an extrovert in certain ways or you might grow to become mm. an introvert mm-hmm. and you might find yourself in certain social scenes where you're very introverted and other social scenes where yeah. you're not. So what we're trying to do here is to get a little more in depth and yeah. figure out what it is we actually mean. Yeah. Today we're exploring the gray of this concept um, because right, as you said, I think we really tend to gravitate towards wanting to label ourselves because it feels good to know who we are or who another person is. Right. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, And it also brings some sort of comfort and grounding to a situation. But I think there's probably a lot of individuals who, despite labeling themselves as an extrovert or an introvert, actually feel that they move fluidly through those terms, Mm -hmm. um, depending, as you said, on the situation, maybe your state of mind, uh, what's going on, how your day was. And all of those things factor into the true psychological orientation and when 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 these terms were created, which has its history with Carl Jung, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in the introduction, um, he really wanted to understand why it seemed that he would observe individuals in his life who had certain um, attitudes that kind of um, seemed to indicate that their energy, their ideas, their theories flowed externally out towards the world mm. while others uh, flowed internally. And mm. the specific history behind this is that um, it really came from his partnerships with Freud and Adler. Um, right. Because according to Jung, you know, his his theory for this initially was really built by trying to understand why Freud's view of neurosis was so different from that of Adler. Mm. And Freud really saw his patients as being um, basically um, predominantly dependent upon defining themselves through their parents, of course, um, or the outside world. And Adler uh, was much more focused on how a person or a subject seeks their own security, supremacy, agency Mm. internally. Mm. And both of those saw those as the cause of neurotic splits for individuals. And so one was very focused inward, the other focused outward. And he wanted to understand what was going on. Right. Jung wanted to create a better paradigm through which we might understand ourselves and Mm -hmm. other people, understand our relationships. Yes. So if we're trying to get a grasp of this this axis, this sort of realm mm. that introversion and extroversion is referring to, um, I think 
a way that's helpful for me to th- helpful for me to think about it is the way in which our energy flows. Yes, yes. Or the way that we interact with energy. Mm. Um, it's how little or how much we try to isolate our internal energy mm. from our external en- yeah. energy. So there's sort of this notion of borders yeah, between borders. inside and outside. Mm-hmm. And someone who is extroverted we can think of as having very open borders yeah, yeah. and they let their internal energy mingle with external energy mm. very fluidly. They let the outside come in and the inside come out. Yes. And so the gates are kind of open. Yeah. Whereas someone who's introverted is much more likely to want to keep barriers between them and the outside. Yeah. So their energy doesn't mingle mm. as much and whatever is happening, whatever sort of flow is going on outside of them, yeah. they're trying to protect themselves from that flow. And that sounds simple, but it's not. It's really complicated the way right. it expresses itself. And you can see that there's a, a certain ways in which people are clearly protecting their energy. And then the next moment, they're not. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe they're moving outwardly mm. in this way that looks like they're being very externally oriented. Right. But they're still protecting themselves yes, very, very strongly. Yes, yes, And so this idea of energy flow is really kind of what we're trying to tap into. And this is a very subtle thing that we need to make more sense of. Yes, I think that this is a really helpful way of considering these terms that we're not necessarily looking at someone's exact actions, um, but the motivation Mm -hmm. or what uh, what moves them. So we're, as you're saying, we're we're following the flow of energy. We're following the flow of, of psychological energy here. And that's what really helps you tap into... Do I feel like an extrovert in this situation? Do I feel introverted in that situation? Right. You start to find the subtlety and the mm-hmm. nuance and the gray area. And that's that's more of what we want. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So maybe if we can try to think of some real world examples mm-hmm. of, of what someone who is extroverted does yeah. in a given situation. So it's, let's take the example very basic of a party. Mm-hmm social scene it's a group of people coming together yeah extroversion introversion is usually kind of tapping into the social aspect of us yeah um so someone who is extroverted and goes to a party let's say is the kind of person who no matter what's happening at the party no matter what the energy is no matter what what activities are going on no matter who's there, mm-hmm. they're going to kind of go with the flow yeah. in some way. They're going to let themselves be pushed and pulled in mm-hmm. certain directions mm-hmm. and they're going to um, participate in whatever's happening. Yeah. And they might even be arriving at the party without much expectation. Mm. It's like they're open. Yeah, they're open. Let the party take me. <laughs> like, let the party consume my energy. Right. I will donate my energy and I will absorb the energy of the party and I'll find myself doing things that maybe I thought I wasn't going to do. Yeah. And um, whatever is happening, it feels good to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's fine. Um, I wasn't expecting to, um, you know, dance at this party. Right. But everyone was dancing. So I started dancing mm. and it's great. And I, I feel... <laughs> I feel good and I feel like energy is coming to me from just the energy of everyone else. Right, and, yeah. Um, yeah, for the extrovert, the external 
uh, the object, so that which is outside of them, the subject, is interesting, mm. attractive, desirable. They want to interact with it. Yeah. They want to be in it and be a part of it. They want to mm. take energy from it and they want to give energy to it. Right. So thinking again about those open borders, there's just right. a desire to kind of get into the mix of it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. More of an exchange. Yeah. There's, there's more trading yeah, there's energy. Yeah, more trading. Um, whereas the, the introvert... How, how would an introvert approach this kind of scene, do you think? Well, first and foremost, when we think about the introvert as having more of those closed borders, and that should be like protected borders as like a better word than sure. just closed. Right, um, right. Because the introvert is, we don't want to just say, oh, just introverts don't like going out. They don't like parties. They like people. Right, again, that's that's the misconception, yeah, right? Right. We're trying to defy yeah. these misconceptions about what it means. Yeah, because what the introvert is often seeking is depth and quality and an exchange that feels authentic and good because uh, the the wide open borders mm. is is a little bit too much it's a little bit too draining they don't yep. want to say hi to every single person they don't want to mingle through the crowd and mm. say hello to this stranger and hello to that other old friend they want to find their close friends at the party right. and that's when they start to maybe even seem like they come alive and they're open and they're yep. talking a lot mm. because there is a, a a kind of like a cyclical energy Uh, like expenditure that's happening they're giving their energy to someone they know and their friends kind of giving it back Mm. but they're very contained and so the introverts tend to be more contained and they're really more focused on that personal inner dynamic and other people might be a part of that but if for the introvert, you know, meeting a bunch of new people is just like, oh, I have to have small talk. Like, right, it's just right. such a pain. Like, that's draining. Right. So a, a counterintuitive example maybe of this is, is uh, the introvert shows up at the same party, let's mm-hmm. say, but no one is dancing. <laughs> and the introvert came to dance. Yeah. So the introvert arrives and instead of going with the flow and mm-hmm. saying like, well, I guess this is kind of like a talking party. Yeah. Like, I'll talk because yeah. that's what's going on. The introvert's like... I came to dance and my internal energy feels yes. that's what I want. This is that's such a good. this is such a good point because in another big misconception, introverts are all really shy people and yep. they're just going to sit in the corner and not right. do anything. Right, right. That's not necessarily true. Right. There are introverts who, who have expression and energy to show, but they want to do it their way. Right, so they right. might, you know oh, their favorite song comes on and mm. no one else is dancing, yeah. the introvert's going to want to flow with their own energy. Right, so. right. Like I came to dance and this is what I want to do. And mm-hmm. even though the internal energy is clashing with the external energy, yeah. that doesn't bother me. Yeah. I feel okay with this. And I'm going to get energy from doing what I came to do, mm-hmm. doing what feels good to me. Yeah. And um, that's okay. And so the, per- the one person at the party who is dancing yeah, while everyone else is talking, you might people might normally say, "Well, that person's really extroverted. Look at them like like <laughs> right, they, they really right. like a party." And it's like, no, it's the opposite. Don't you see? Like yeah. they're doing something internally that's different than the outside, mm. and therefore they are in some sense isolating their own energy yeah. from outside energy. Yes, and that doesn't make them, you know, we shouldn't think of this as being someone who is who is closed off and yeah. disconnected in a bad way, or yeah. someone who is crazy, or someone who is uncooperative, or just the weirdo at the right. party. The weirdo. Those <laughs> things can certainly be true, yeah. but we're not really talking about the way that this interacts with other other forms of personality, like mm. disagree- disagreeableness or sure. agreeableness. We're kind of just trying to tap into this idea of energy exchange. Yeah, yeah. And what motivates them? Where, where, where does their own 
energy and desires want to flow and mm-hmm. that's what we're following um we did talk a little bit about this topic in our um episode nine on the big five right they right. do use um the extroverted um as a as a major category right um and we talked about it a little bit during what was that episode three thinking episode and three, feeling thinking, which is also yep. part of uh, the Jungian typology model mm-hmm. check that out if you haven't mm-hmm. listened to it but we're really going to get more nuanced and really look at this more from that Jungian perspective versus the the big five mm-hmm. so let, let's start a little bit more with the extroverted philosophy okay um you know, we've we've talked a little bit about it, but as I mentioned, the movement of energy for the extrovert, the focus is on the object, aka not purely yourself and mm. the outside world. I see. So we tend to really pick up certain characteristics with extroverts, you know, and this is, of course, general, but... Right, right. We're generalizing because we have to. Yeah. So um, extroverts, they tend to be altruistic, outgoing, accommodating, concerned with the collective. Mm-hmm. Interest in that external object, desire to influence and be influenced, a need to join in, as we talked about. Yeah. Um, another point that I like to talk about with extroverts is uh, an endurance or resilience. Right. Because we're talking about those open borders. Mm-hmm. It's like you kind of have to have this strong outer layer to to mingle with so much in the world and not just people, environments, situations. Right. Um, the extrovert is tends to be a bit more adventurous in that way. Right, and they gain energy from that. Yes. They, they open yeah. their borders, and it seems almost as if they can absorb energy from the mm, outside, mm-hmm. and it lifts them up. Yeah, yeah. So that that's why they tend to be um, the life of the party, right. someone who has more friends, or kind of they cultivate the, um, the process of meeting lots of acquaintances and having lots of friends, because they their attention and their interest, to some degree, in certain situations, is on the surrounding world. Right, right. They also tend to be enthusiastic. Mm. That's that's one thing coming from the big five traits is that they they seem to be someone who experiences a lot of positive energy. Yeah. And when they socialize, they seem to be like very joyous. Right. Someone right. someone who feels enthusiastic. Someone who um, seems really motivated to do social things, and sincerely seems to be really happy when they're mm. socializing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is um, also in relation to assertiveness. So. Yeah. Extroverted people may tend to um, lead the way mm, socially, yeah, yeah. put themselves out there, mm-hmm. um, feel as if it's a good thing for them to throw out an idea sure. or organize a party yeah. or um, just try to get people energized and motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of willing to take that risk, you yeah. might say, of putting themselves out there because it actually they gain energy from it. Right. And they see the value. They see the what that type of environment creates for other people. And certainly also that like within these gatherings, you have pockets of uh, little mini environments where like people can, you know, move into a more introverted place or have the dance floor where mm-hmm. everyone can mingle. So um, the extrovert, I think, cares a lot about people, environments, kind of creating a space. Um, and that's why they're quite an asset to have in social situations or in groups. They uh, they have a, a powerful dynamic to them. Um, but there's also a way to be too extroverted. Right. Maybe. So the, the, pitfalls <laughs> the pitfalls of extroversion, the way that extroversion could be viewed as a um, becoming a vice yes. or a shadow yeah. quality. Yeah. And this might be someone, from my perspective, who um, their borders are so open that they don't protect their own internal energy very well. Yes. And they sort of 
are like uh you know like a leaf in the wind mm. or just like they just get blown around yeah. and like they're they're too easily influenced by what's going on outside of them mm. um they don't necessarily maintain that necessary internal structure to kind of ground themselves and figure out how they really feel what they really believe maybe yeah. where they are right now and what they want to do yes and they might just kind of find themselves going in whatever direction the crowd the crowd is going yes especially when paired with a type of very compassionate um, type personality. Mm, This is the kind of individual who may end up sacrificing themselves too much because their focus is on the objective demands of another, um, you know, or a group or the environment. And it's like, well, if anything's going to be sacrificed here, Mm -hmm. it should be me. Right. Um, So, they they lose energy and they become drained right and then they might need to withdraw or kind of realize that they've got some bad habits here they tend to take care of everyone else before themselves right so you, you could be extroverted or introverted but we're kind of talking about when it, when it becomes a vice when this energy flow is not something that you're regulating very effectively very mm-hmm. well and so that's true for extroversion you're just you're not regulating your energy well yeah. perhaps if you're an extrovert and you're letting your energy get uh, dissipated too easily mm. or be influenced too easily yeah. or you're not protecting your energy. You give yourself away too much. Yeah. And it's just it's poor control yeah. over your energy flow. Yes. Um, I think I don't think this is totally always true of extroverts, mm. but there there can sometimes be a tendency, especially when the extroverted attitude is very focused on ooh this object, ooh that object, which is like, ooh this person, that person, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that, that there's a sense of a shallowness and yep. it's lacking depth. Right. And, um, you know, this is for everyone to figure out on their own if they fall into this category. Sure. But it does happen mm-hmm. because part of man okay especially if somebody gets energy because they've got this extroverted dynamic by connecting to other people and yet there might be something kind of deep inside their background Mm. that allows them to actually open deep uh, you know vulnerable vulnerable places in Mm. themselves that their interactions seem really you know cool and fun but they don't go very deep right and um especially the type of extroverted attitude when one tends to interact with it can feel exciting on the other end. You might feel very drawn into an extrovert, like, oh my God, like, wow, like I'm getting a lot from this. Mm. And and then you might, depending on who you are, want to give, give, give that energy. And that can certainly lead to a situation where you've got like these energy drain individuals who are just like sucking, sucking, sucking. Certainly. (laughs) Yeah. Balance in all things, right? Balance in all things. Yes. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the introverted Mm -hmm. Uh, individual. Um, so that movement of energy, that focus is towards the subjective or the inner world. Right. So we tend to see with the introverts um, uh, more of a f- reflective nature. They're thoughtful, they're hesitant, and sometimes resistant to outer influences, you know, Certainly. those those uh, protected borders. Mm-hmm. They may keep to oneself. Um, they're curious but hesitant. Um, they're really activated truly by what activates them. So really the energy um, starts inside and then flows out into the right. world. And so introverts can be incredibly compelling people who seem like there's so much going on and there's so much that they're doing, but you're kind of sometimes viewing it from afar yeah. and, and then they open it up to you and you see it and you're like, Oh my God, like what's going on here? This is like this vast, rich inner world or creativity or what right. have you, but it's coming from deep within them. And then they're letting it kind of go out into the world. 
Right. So definitely the, if, if people who you meet who seem to have a, a rich, deep mystery within mm, them. Yeah. Either you've never met someone like this before or they seem to stand out in the group as sort of just doing their own thing. Mm. And maybe they're even really social. Maybe yeah. they do lots of things with other people, but they still seem to have their own inner world yeah. um, that isn't necessarily off limits. You, yeah, they, they, they might certainly. they might let you in and, yeah. and experience it, but you can kind of still sense that like this this guy Joe is just sort of like an enigma, <laughs> and he has this deep world, and he does his own thing, and he clearly has built up an internal architecture that is very unique to him. Yeah, and mm. he's had to protect his energy mm. most of his life to do that. Yeah, um, and that again can be something that is very positive or mm. it can easily become negative yeah. and you know perhaps the the pitfalls of being introverted might be a little more obvious yeah let's yeah. say someone who is um cut off yes yeah disconnected uh, disconnected mm. they cannot be penetrated um they might even seem uncooperative or unwilling sure. to sort of participate mm. you might not be able to get them to do things that everyone else seems to be wanting to do right and um there's also this possibility of the sort of internal autodidactic vortex where someone is so wrapped up in themselves that they might lose touch with reality. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, it's interesting with the introvert because they're aware of what's going on externally. They're aware of what's going on in the room or within a situation, but they're just not motivated by it. It doesn't excite them. And so what can happen when that kind of dynamic is going on is that, you know, they can lose touch with reality, lose touch with what's going on with the group. They can allow themselves to kind of just dip into the place that feels comfortable. And so they don't want to kind of challenge their own place of safety or right. comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and that can really give off that very closed vibe that can sometimes come with the introverts. Um, right. And that defensiveness, that wanting to protect and keep themselves in that shell um, can end up really holding them back from some sort of enriching experience that they could um, have. Definitely. Um, I think one side of the introvert that we don't often think about, but it is important to consider because we're, we're talking about people whose motivation comes from an internal place and that protection cultivation of inner energy, which means you have a really quite intense or just deep inner dialogue and, and um, sort of viewpoint that's coming from your own uh, your own place of, of, of your own theories, your own insights, um, your own feelings, whatever it might be. And sometimes when you really identify with that to a point of over-identification, the, the, the introvert's ego can really become inflated. Right. And the importance of your subjective attitude or perspective trumps everything else. Right. And the ego tends to do this already on its own mm. where it tends to kind of consume reality mm -hmm. and become uh, convinced that it is everything yeah. or that it's the entire universe. Yeah. And um, part of the advantage of having people around you and letting their energy flow into you yeah. openly is that they kind of keep you even keeled and mm. they keep you on track of hopefully at least if these are healthy relationships, they, they kind of keep you more grounded. Yeah. They let you know when you are sort of becoming overly inflated with yeah. your own ideas. Um, they push back when something that you're doing or saying maybe isn't appropriate mm. or um, isn't actually going to work to get you what you want. So um, this introversion, if it, if it gets extreme, 
if it can easily become a vice yeah. of just locking away the energy. Mm-hmm. And as we've alluded to before in previous episodes many times, there's always this healthy sort of chaos order thing mm. that you want to cultivate if you want to grow, yeah. which is you open yourself up to change mm. without opening yourself up so much that you get torn to pieces right. or you collapse or yeah. something like that. And the sort of process of individu- individuation is one of um, opening up, disintegrating a little bit, <laughs> and then and that's the chaos. And then you kind of reintegrate and that's sort of the order is you kind of rebuild, rebuild, and then you open yourself up and you kind of disintegrate and then you reintegrate. And that sort of energy exchange is what leads to ultimately becoming the person you're meant to be yeah and so yeah absolutely extroversion conversion definitely ties into that of yes. energy exchange of how much do you allow yourself to be exposed yeah. in order to grow okay so we listened back at the podcast so far and uh we heard that the construction going on in the background is quite audible, more audible than we were expecting. But we are recording this in our home studio, which is a bedroom, and <laughs> we're having to work with what we got. And there is construction going on, probably yep. not 30 feet from where we are, <laughs> yeah. and um, hopefully it's not too distracting. Mm. But uh, that's the way it goes. So now it's time for shadow work. Shadow work. And yes. we're going to explore what kind of shadow work you might do in relation to introversion and yeah. extroversion. Yeah, because typology is such a good framework to utilize when considering what can someone do to do shadow work or just to develop one's whole personality. And it's the recognition that we have to develop both of these orientations instead of just relying on the one that we um, connect to the most, recognizing that in different um, environments, in different situations that we might be more extroverted or we might be more introverted. And how can you challenge that status quo, that homeostasis for yourself and do the uncomfortable thing? Because that's shadow work. It's, it's uncomfortable work. Right. To, uh, to hit this home again, as we've done many, many times, the shadow is something that if we do not integrate it, it will express itself mm. in unhealthy ways yeah. or at inappropriate times. Yes. Yes. So we, shadow work is always about wholeness, yes. completeness. Yeah. How do you become more complete? And mm-hmm. so how do you develop the less expressed side of you? Yeah. If you are an introvert, Let's say if you are lean, if you lean towards introversion, how, how might you develop your extroverted side mm-hmm. more so and vice versa? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one way to explore this is to use examples mm-hmm. and use guinea pigs. And uh, so Alyssa and I are going to talk about ourselves yes. in terms of introversion yes. and extroversion. Yeah. Would you like to go first? Sure. Um, I think that I have always considered myself to be someone who flows from extroversion and introversion quite fluidly Mm -hmm. to the point at which I think sometimes people don't realize um, my introverted nature. And sometimes for some people who do know me, they're surprised by how extroverted I'm being. So I have a lot of these facets that I feel very in touch with. Yet at the same time, in a certain dynamic, I will really fall into that shadow part of it and feel deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Um, So I guess like the first place my mind goes with um, 
I, I, I am quite extroverted. I think if you don't know yeah. me and you meet me, you'll think I'm I'm uh, quite an extroverted person. Definitely. I get a lot of energy from other people, very connected, um, like kind of getting in the thick of it, depending mm-hmm. on the situation and, and kind of authentically connecting. Um, but in certain areas of life, I kind of shy away. And so I've never really considered myself to be much of an artist or creative type, but I've always been like in a group of those types of people. Mm -hmm. And when I started working on music and wanting to be a musician, um, that there came this desire to want to perform. And I, it was something I really struggled with personally. Yeah. Um, and despite being kind of someone who in the, the friend group you know, if we're having a party, I'm probably the one who's like walking around, making sure people are having fun, making food for people. It's like there's Alyssa. She tends to be like a big energy in the party. But to like get up on stage and and show myself in that way felt incredibly intimidating. Um, something that held a lot of discomfort because for me, a lot of my shadow material was um, my creative side. I'm like, I'm, I'm not creative like my friends are, but music was something that I felt really called to. And a big key of understanding the process of shadow work with typology is that assimilation means living in that uncomfortable function. It means right. embodying it. It means mm. cultivating it. And so I really, you know, I don't know how many years ago it was at this point, eight, eight or nine years ago or something like that, yeah. made a decision to get up on stage and sing and sing my own songs. And, um, and it, and it was, and it, I've had some bad times doing that. You know, yep. you're just like shaking with embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's something that has challenged me a, a lot to, to step into that shadow material and, uh, and to really look that, that, introverted nature because to me it's like singing was always very personal it's something I did alone or just kind of walking around the house I would hum melodies and maybe I'd kind of write a song or so but I didn't want to share it and that's that very introverted thing that rich inner world was within me but there was something sort of pushing me to want to open up to the world and then when I did it was like oh I got really great feedback my friends left it people in the crowd were really nice and then it was like oh I kind of mingle with people and it helped build that that extroverted nature in this very specific environment right so I kind of think of you as being um you're both introverted and extrovert as you said I feel like you're kind of on the border if you had to sort of say like are you an extrovert or an introvert Mm. like choose one it's like it's really it's really on the border but um one way i like to to think about this is you're a very extra extroverted feeler Mm, mm -hmm. but you seem sort of like an introverted thinker yes in many ways yes and these express themselves in there's a lot of complexity here yeah and it's hard it's hard to sort of understand the complexity without really spending a lot of time with you Mm -hmm. but you are very people oriented you are very externally oriented. Yeah. You let your energy flow out freely. You donate energy. You yield time to people. Mm-hmm. You're very, very concerned with what's going on with the group. Um, you want to make sure everyone's okay, everyone's taken care of. And so you're very extrovert in that way. Yeah. People give you energy. Mm-hmm. You don't really like being alone. You like events. You like having people over. You mm-hmm. like doing things that are social. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's a big part of you that is um, – very protective of your energy yeah you do tend to withdraw Mm -hmm. sometimes you will retreat away from things that don't feel right to you right and you really really want authenticity in your relationships and that means that you are willing to let your energy mingle but only if certain 
requirements you might say are met, yeah. which is like this, this needs to feel like a real relationship. Right. This person needs to feel like an honest, good, real person. Um, I really want to exchange energy, but I'm a little hesitant to do that with everyone. Yeah. And so the extroverted side of you is kind of turning on and turning mm-hmm. off at certain mm-hmm. points. And that, again, it's, everyone's like this in some way. There's a lot of complexity to each individual. Yeah. That, that, that part of what you're tapping into is like there's that drive by the extroverted side, by, but by its nature, sort of feeling and thinking tend to be like slightly opposed to each other. So extroverted feeling gives me a shadow sort of inferior function of uh, introverted thinking. And I think for me that when my feeling function, some sort of harmony of emotion or relationship is threatened, um, I step into the shadow quality of introverted thinking and it's not balanced. And so I'll be like, oh, I have this desire to play uh, in a band with my friends and we'll connect and we'll be great and we'll have fun. But, oh, I'm nervous and I'm scared. Mm. And then my coherency of thought and logic just goes out the damn window. It's like, oh, but like, I'm not good enough. And all my friends are better than me. And I'm nervous. It's like, I can't think very, like my internal dialogue is fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so is that the first swear word we've had on the on the podcast so far? No, no maybe. So? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Anyways, um, yeah, so I think a lot, of the, a lot of the work that you do on yeah. yourself is finding ways to better regulate your energy. Yeah. You, I feel like you do give yourself away sometimes too much and you drain yourself and you get exhausted. Yeah. And when there's tension in social scenes, it really affects you in a deep way where yeah. you actually feel like you need to take on that burden. And often the burden is not yours to take on. Mm. And you need to protect your energy better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you've definitely grown a lot in the last five years, I would say, in sort of this introversion thinking of like developing your own personal structure, your yeah. own personal paradigm yeah. of how to lift yourself up mm. and to navigate the world to protect your energy in this yeah. way. And that's actually been really good for you yeah. at developing this better regulation of your introversion, extroversion energy. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> Do you agree? I like to hope so. I think so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, moving on to me. Um, so uh, Alyssa and I are kind of complementary in many ways. We're also kind of opposite in other ways. Yeah. And so um, I tend to think of myself as being, to use the same kind of terminology, I think it's interesting to think about myself as being sort of a extroverted thinker yeah. and an introverted feeler, feeler yeah. meaning that the sort of deeper, more instinctual, side of me the more unconscious side of me Mm -hmm. is naturally kind of self-contained yeah that's definitely my kind of go-to way of being is Mm. uh i feel like i can only rest if i'm by myself Mm. usually um social situations drain me Mm. um i have always had a very rich internal life Mm. contemplative life you might say i was a a very serious cross-country runner for a very long time Mm. and that was a very solitary thing that i did for very seriously for about eight years of just being alone, being in my own head Mm. and kind of developing that world. And I've focused a huge amount of time also just as a a creative person developing my own inner inner world. Yeah. And sometimes at the expense of my outer world in many ways. Um, But there's a lot of thinking that I do that's very externally motivated. Like I want to affect things around yeah, me. I, yeah. I feel very moral and I feel very much like there's problems around me that I want to solve. Mm. I want to engineer the world. Yeah. I think about problems in people around me yeah. and I want to do something about it. Um, I care about the group very much and I want the group to succeed, yeah. but it's very 
engineered. Yeah. I'm thinking, how can the group succeed? How mm-hmm. can the group improve? How can we develop something as a group that'll be good for all of us? Yeah. And so there's that thinking function. Yes. That is very extroverted. Yes. In a strange way. Yes. You're also like really deeply interested in just like how the world works, how the universe works. Let's this right. concept. Let's break it down. Like this is very extroverted thinking. It's not like purely just internal theory that you're just, you know, it's like, oh, look at this thing that's happening outside of me and mm-hmm. everyone interacts with it. And that seems to create a flow and an energy. So you're very, you're very, um, very wrapped up in that. Right. And so this, this becomes a vice yeah. in many ways. Um, if if you ask people about me as as someone, uh, how is Arn's energy at a party? Mm. It's like Arn does his own thing, mm. usually. Mm. Um, or if he's not going to do his own thing, you almost he almost has to be convinced of why doing something else would be his own thing. <laughs> he just needs to you just need to convince him that that's true. Sure. Um, so I usually have a plan. Mm. I usually have something that I am thinking should happen Mm. and i want to stick to that and i often don't really care if it clashes with the energy of everyone else right because the feeling function which is in the shadow is all about the the harmony between individuals relationships environments and it's driven by like i'm sensing kind of how you're feeling and that's how i'm feeling and and for that for you just isn't center stage Mm -hmm. so part of your shadow work is tapping more into that feeling function and being able to sort of challenge the, the external thinker part of your brain that Mm. wants to, you know, move forward with the plan despite it maybe not fitting in with everyone's desires or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the kind of the work that I could do is I need to think about what is the side of me that's not being expressed very well. Yeah. Um, I don't feel very externally oriented and maybe when I enter social situations, I should try to go with the flow more. Mm. I should try not to have a plan so much. Mm. I should try not to engineer so much. Mm. I should allow myself to be influenced by what's going on around me. Um, I should allow free exchange of energy with other people. Mm. I should find a way to just enjoy people Mm. just being with them no matter what's happening just sort of feeling like i'm in communion with other people yeah is something that i can actually be mindful of and try to develop yeah and bring that into awareness Mm. um yeah so what we're talking about here is self discernment and identification of what your tendencies are and how you act in certain situations and then really Um, kind of mapping out for you some goals of how you can challenge that. You know, is it going up on stage? Is it maybe talking to your friends when you really don't want to? Maybe it's listening to a part of yourself that you often don't. Maybe it's getting more embodied. You know, um, there's all these different ways in which we express, connect, um, open ourselves up both to the world or internally. And all of that is a chance for you to to tap into the wholeness of your personality. Um, so for me, the kind of steps of this shadow work, number one, is, is figuring out where you really stand on these major pillars of, you know, extroversion, introversion, but the subtle aspects of it. How are you in a social situation? How are you in close relationships? How are you at work? These are all like big places where we tend to kind of flow in between extroversion and introversion of course also like self-dialogue as well do you have that rich inner dialogue do you seem kind of resistant and want to focus on other people take some time 
and really think about which of these areas that you want to focus on. And then you can start to map out, you know, I tend to be extroverted here and that does work well, but sometimes I use it as a crutch. Right, right. Do you feel comfortable being alone? Mm, yep. No? <laughs> you need to write about this. You yeah. need to think about this. You need to find ways of like, how can I cultivate a rich inner world that yeah. is that is self-sustained? Um, are you someone who never organizes events? Mm. Are you always waiting for someone else to organize an event? Yeah. Are you always waiting for someone else to have a barbecue? Mm. Maybe you should do it. Maybe throw it out there. Hey, guys, I'm organizing this outing to the park yeah i'm organizing it like you you never do that yeah. well it's like that reinforces the these these shadow parts of us this yes. expectation that this is who we are yes. and we shouldn't change yes we want to try to develop these 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 parts of us that are not in the light yeah and mm-hmm. as we integrate these parts into us we become more complete we become yes. more whole that doesn't mean that you're going to flip from introvert to extrovert yeah. like one extreme to the other that's not the point it's like yeah. ideally and also, it's not to say that if you're an introvert, that that's bad, that mm-hmm. everyone needs to be on the border. Right. It just means you're trying to find out who you really are. You're yeah. trying to find this better balance. And all of us can always find a better balance if we just simply take the time yeah. to think about it bring, it, bring it into awareness, yeah. and develop a practice. All right, we have another dream from our audience. This is from a 17-year-old female, and here's the dream. I was pregnant, and my mom told me that the baby bump wasn't big enough for the kid to be alive. My best friend took me out to dinner to clear my mind. A couple showed up, but not as each other's dates. When I got there, we didn't tell anyone about the baby. At the diner, I got claustrophobic and left to go on a log ride. At the log ride, I got stuck between the walls of the ride, and an old friend helped me out. She made a PowerPoint presentation when I confided in her about the baby. I go back to the diner and see that two of my guy friends are there, and they are both flirting with me. Exciting dream. Very exciting. (laughs) Um, I guess for me, the... The first thing that, of course, jumps out is pregnancy. And you know what? I'm looking at this symbolically because this this holding of libido, of psychic energy around that's built around pregnancy is so powerful, especially for for female. But it's really about it's about creation and it's about life and it's about a new stage that's sort of waiting to blossom um, and kind of come into existence. So. You know, we noted here that the dreamer is quite young, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's on that cusp of, of adulthood. Right. Um, and certainly I think any 17-year-old girl would have a dream like that. would be like, oh, my God, I dreamt I was pregnant. That's really freaky. But think about it symbolically. Thinking, thinking about what is happening within you, what's trying to come alive, and especially this dynamic around... Um, the mother saying like the baby bump's not big enough for it to be a real baby or for it um, to be alive. And so I'm very curious about what the dynamic between the dreamer and her parental figures are, or even those internal parental figures. Um, Cause the mother could certainly be like a, um, a voice inside of herself. So maybe certainly. she's not feeling ready to allow this next stage to open up within her. Right. So as, as you said, birth is one of the most powerful yeah. human acts there is, especially for a woman. It is mm. sort of like the spiritual act yeah. is yeah. having a child, yeah. becoming a mother. There's these sort of cyclical um, 
I'm a mom mm-hmm. and now my mom is talking to me about my child right, who will right. also become a mother. And so yeah. there's like this multi-generational thing, this yeah. cycle of life. And the, the older woman, the older mother saying that there's something wrong with the pregnancy yeah. down to the younger mother has that sort of feeling of um, someone who's wiser and older than me mm. is telling me that I've, I'm, I'm not ready or yeah. something has not happened correctly. Yes. There is There's an energy within me mm-hmm. that is coming forward and yeah. I'm going to give birth to this energy, whatever that, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be a child. It could be becoming a woman. It could be creative power. It could be yeah. something, anything. Yeah. And pregnancy really has that deep archetypal resonance for us mm-hmm. of creation. Yes. As you said, the yes. deepest kind of creation there is. Yes. Um, there is this kind of dynamic in this dream between what appears to be like the dream ego experiencing things and then these older feminine figures. Um, there's the mother, of course. So we have this internal figure that um, has that sense of maturity, of, of wisdom, of older age. She also mentions that she she runs into a friend and that friend makes this PowerPoint presentation for her that yeah. um, when she confided in her about the baby and in in her submission, she notes that this this friend um, is someone who was much older than her. I think when she was a freshman, she was a senior. Mm. So, of course, like put yourself in that context of being like a young, you know, bushy eyed, like new, new freshmen. You're just like, wow, seniors, they, they mm. hold that wisdom. Like you, you, you project that archetype onto them. And so we have two figures in the dream who are trying to guide her and give her some insight about the creation archetype, the, the pregnancy here. So I would encourage the dreamer to really sit with and think about what was trying to be communicated from these older wise figures. Cause those are older wise archetypes within yourself, um, that really kind of might hold some guidance for you, um, in this situation. Right. The imagery here is, is very interesting that she is pregnant. She's going to have a baby and yeah. then she enters this symbolic birthing of getting on the log ride yeah. <laughs> where she is, she is entering a vessel right? like a mother almost yeah. and she's passing through a tunnel mm. that is full of water mm. and going to be spat out of the log ride in some way yeah. and she's getting stuck yeah. between the walls of the ride. Right. And so it's like she's being birthed and yeah. it's not going well, mm. just like the baby inside her. It wasn't right. going well. So right. And again, so there's, there's this, these sort of nested cyclical images of mothering and birth mm. that mm-hmm. are that are failing yeah. in some sense, or at least there's a tension there yeah. that she's having to grapple with. Yes. Um, there's the tension of, of what's stopping her um, internally and yet at the same time, uh, as a reaction to that, something that's coming forward to provide something. And that's often quite an interesting dynamic that I think we experience um, psychologically is like we feel totally stuck. We don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then something releases. Then we have a thought. Then something clicks into place. And so this might be that kind of dynamic uh, playing out in dream form, symbolically, imagistically. We are we're seeing the the dreamer run into these roadblocks, and yet something's kind of coming to her aid. So what's going on with these older figures who are trying to shine a light maybe on some aspect that's causing the the blockage of of the birth? Um, more attention here with, uh, making the baby. There's, there's the couple that shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentions outside the dream that this couple is, is 
a couple that she's thought about before yeah. with her friend, talked about with her friends mm-hmm. in real life. And so there's um, a couple showing up. The couple represents romance coming together, sure. uh, making a baby perhaps. Yeah. And there's there's the couple, for some reason, they're not together yeah. in the dream. So there's, yeah. there's tension mm-hmm. there. And then at the end of the dream, she shows back up at the diner and there's boys there and the boys are flirting with her. Yeah. So again, there's this sort of romantic interactions happening. Mm-hmm. So all this tension uh, that's cropping up where she's entering all these different expressions these different sort of facets of the life creation cycle Mm -hmm. whether it's romance sex getting pregnant being there with your mom Mm -hmm. being birthed yourself Mm -hmm. so it's very cosmic in that way of like going through all these different layers of reality as far as creation as as human birth goes yeah and um to sort of further unpack this dynamic with like the lover's archetype these two individuals who come and seem sort of split usually there are people who in real life i suppose uh, she's mentioned that they're very close Mm -hmm. and a couple that she considers to be like maybe like that that's something that i would want right people who seem very close and very connected um but they're showing up in the dream sort of split she also has the two individuals the two males at the end who are bringing this kind of attractive romantic energy towards her so there might be a dynamic within her where that feminine principle and the masculine principle are sort of like out of balance you know Mm. and so maybe there's like a desire to create and be in touch and 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 grow and and be in flow and you know maybe more of that feminine principle she's more in touch with but maybe there's something on the masculine end um, which can be sometimes imaged by you know some sort of a male figure coming into a dream sort of showing you a romantic interest it's like that's like a, a an energy that wants to connect to you so what what are the the personalities of these men that you're interacting with in real life what do they hold maybe are they um, competent are they forward are they strong do do they have a strong voice like do they stand up for themselves you know do they seem like they have focus and vision I don't know whatever it is um, there could just be something that's a little bit more on that other end of the spectrum that can help bring balance to the situation do you have a question for us do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze is there a topic you'd like us to cover we want to hear from you Contact us through a submission form, which can be found on our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you. <laughs>